You are now listening to Well-Fed Women, the show that's been radically changing the way women perceive health, fitness, and their bodies since 2015. I'm your host, Noelle Tarr. Submit your questions to wellfedwomen at gmail.com, and you can keep up with the show on Instagram at wellfedwomen. Welcome to the Wellfed Women Podcast. This is episode number 324. I am your host, Noel Tarr of coconutsandkettlebells.com. I'm a nutritional therapy practitioner and a certified personal trainer. I am here with my co-host, Stephanie Ruper. Today, we're going to be talking meal prep when you're dealing with chronic fatigue and just life. So all of our tips for that. Cycle syncing when you're out of sync. So how to actually do that. Uh, stinky sweat and what that means, and your traps, like your trap muscles. A well-rounded discussion, indeed, something for everyone. Before we get to the fun, did you know that over 80% of the population is deficient in magnesium, and it is the number one mineral you need for stress, fatigue, and sleep issues? I feel like most of the time, that I bring on and partner with sponsors for this podcast. It's all for anxiety and sleep issues. Has anybody noticed that yet? Uh, it's because it's probably the most important thing in my life. Um, and I know it's really important to all of you. There is so much research on magnesium. In fact, I was just reviewing some of that today about how magnesium actually reduces PMS symptoms. So it plays a role in so many things, including detoxification, digestion, energy production, stress management, and even our heart rhythm. Magnesium increases GABA, which encourages relaxation on a cellular level and is critical for sleep. And because stress depletes magnesium... This also means magnesium is needed to support your body's stress response. Magnesium is the single most studied mineral in existence. It powers over 600 critical reactions in our bodies. That's why I'm so excited about Magnesium Breakthrough. I recommend Magnesium Breakthrough because it combines all seven forms of magnesium into one convenient supplement. Most magnesium su supplements fail because they are synthetic and they're not full spectrum. So when you get all seven critical forms of magnesium, you're supporting every function in your body that requires magnesium and you can reverse magnesium deficiency and continue to support your body during times of stress, especially during, you know, pregnancy with uh, one supplement. I personally take it every night. I take two capsules and I adjust according to my stress and sleep and anxiety. So sometimes I'll actually drop it down to just one, depending on my digestion. And other times I'll bump it up, especially during times of added stress or if I'm feeling a bit wound up at night. It's kind of like one of the three things that I do when that happens. Um, it's made a huge difference for me and I don't go without it. So today you can get 10% off with our coupon code. Visit magbreakthrough.com slash wellfed. And then our code is wellfed10 for an additional 10% off. Again, that's mag, so M-A-G, breakthrough. B-R-E-A-K-T-H-R-O-U-G-H dot com forward slash wellfed. And then use the coupon code wellfed10. Again, magbreakthrough.com slash wellfed. Coupon code is wellfed10. Hi, Stephanie. Hi. <laughs> Hi. Hello. Hi. Hey. Hi. Um, so thanks for registering for the Feed Fairfax 5K. Yo, I have news, everybody. Oh, yes. 
Are you gonna? Are you actually running a 5K? Is this the news? Are you planning on running virtually, please? So I had this. So y'all know how I have historically felt about running. <laughs> Maybe you don't. Uh, it has not been altogether charitable. I'll just put it that way. Um, and charitable. yeah, about about three weeks ago, I felt this sudden urge to go for a run. No, and I'm sure it wasn't just on- the coffee. It was 8 p.m. and I was just, I don't know why, I was just feeling it. I'm like, here we go. I'm going for a run. And I ran for quite a while. And I was like, that felt pretty nice. And then I did the same thing the next day. And then I took a couple days off. And then I did it again. And I ran longer. And since then, I've been running the majority of days for like like decent periods of time. And it's... (laughs) I love it. I no, love it. You're joking. So much. <laughs> what is happening? I love running. I love running. Yeah. So um, my working theory, and I may be totally incorrect, but uh, I haven't tried. Well, I, I did once in the pouring rain. So that doesn't really count because there's a lot of variables there. But other than that, I haven't run since uh, before my surgery. And... I have been running and I used to get these like weird pains when I like just all over my shoulders and my, my chest. And I think that was related to the fact that I like could had no option of breathing through my nose and and was, Mm. I mean, I could, but it was just tougher than it is now. Um, That might be a part of it that I, I can take deep breaths through my nose while I'm running, which is really fun. And I, maybe there's other stuff going on too. I, I have no idea, but I got a new pair of running shoes because I think uh, I have high arches and I have like, you know, pronating issues, and stuff, <laughs> which I now like know about. And I have like these little <laughs> running shorts, you know, where they like, they're made of really flimsy material and they're like really short and they like <laughs> look like runner shorts, you no, know, with no. the, like the little like triangle on the side. Cause they're like, and the, yeah. And uh, they're from like an athletic company. <laughs> so I'm so excited to do. I'm thinking about trying to go for like a, like a fast time. I'm not going to try, mm. try to win the race, but I might time myself for the Feed Fairfax 5K. So from the last time we talked about it to now, I have reversed from like, oh, I'm going to have to like walk a mile to, <laughs> to being like, I can't wait to get a PR on the Feed Fairfax 5K. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's amazing. Okay, so I'm super, super stoked. Here's the thing. You know, the running industry is is my thing. And I know way too much about it. So like, in my 20s, that's where I worked, right? I sold the the fancy athletic shorts with the triangles on the side. And I, I assessed <laughs> people's feet to help them pick the right running shoes. So whether they were an over pronator or an under pronator, or they ran neutrally. Um Okay, so my like, shoes are very helpful for me. Okay, <laughs> no, I, I mean, I, my shoes. I still, I, I'm all okay. about it. Okay. I, I have okay. still have like five to ten different pairs of athletic shoes, um, so I totally get it. Uh, I just, I just am now trying to imagine you 
as one of those runners that I used to work with all the time who would like show up to our store runs and were like super obs- obsessed and like overexcited all the time, <laughs> like buy new running shorts. Um, I, I don't know if it's going to stick, yeah, but, but it's something perfect. I'm enjoying right now. Yeah. yeah. What shoes did you get? Um, I have uh, ASIC Cumulus. Mm-hmm. Um, that, uh, yeah, I have, I, I think they're called Cumulus. I think those are the Cumulus, ones I got. Yeah. They also, yeah, I think so. I and they're teal back. because everything I own is teal. Yeah. <laughs> and and you do, you have inserts, do you have inserts in them? No, because it's like a, like a slightly more cushioned, neutral kind of supportive shoe. Yeah. So it it's, it's, it's like, it's kind of like, it's, I don't want to try to overcorrect because I think that mm-hmm. could cause me problems. Um, so mm-hmm. I think this is a, this is, yeah, it's a good fit for me. It's working so far. Um, good. Yeah. You know, cause my I, running, it, it can, um, I'm very uh, careful with my knees cause they can, they can be mm-hmm. an issue. Um, and like, uh, yeah, I don't know, but it's, it's going okay so far. So I don't yeah, know. yeah, that's good. No, I, I'm team shoes. You know, I, I've been through the whole wave of the Vibram five fingers and then like running barefoot and all the things. And I never could. I was like, no, nah, dude, we we I've always after all my research, I'm like, I see what you're trying to do here. But also like pavement and asphalt yeah, isn't yeah. really natural. So I'm not trying to run barefoot on it. Like you definitely need cushioning. And especially as you get older, you need some sort of protection between you and the pavement. And my life has been changed by uh, a brand called Ultra, A-L-T-R-A. They're wider. They actually are the shaped like your foot. And even though I'm an overpronator in quotations, meaning my my ankles cave inward when I walk, which actually does cause a lot of hip issues. And some people would say the theory is, well, your feet are super weak and you need some PT and that's why and you shouldn't (laughs) be. using you know supports and all that that's just basically putting a band-aid like get it got it i'm fine but you know i've strengthened my feet i do a lot of stuff you know with that a lot of whatever drills and stuff and it's still i still feel way better um and more supported if i have some sort of insert because i have a super super high arch so i always wear an insert it helps with my back pain and i'm just happy with that so all the things it's exciting yeah, and, and I'm super excited about your, you know, I'm super excited about the run. race. Yeah, me too. It's coming together nicely. We have a lot of good sponsors. Now we just need runners. So guys, two and a half weeks, if you want to come to Northern Virginia, plan your trip, run the race, pack some food, feed some kids. That is... Oh, I wish I... Gosh, I, it would be so fun to go. Yeah. Um, We're hoping for a good maybe turnout. Maybe next time. But yeah. Maybe next time. I'm, That's what Stella says all the time. Maybe next time. She's like, Mom, can I can I touch the can I have this piece of paper? And I'm like, No, Stella, you can't. Okay, maybe next time. Aww. Gosh, you break my heart. I'm like <laughs> Yeah, but like, yeah, I will definitely I will definitely be doing it virtually. So you'd basically be running with me. Noelle, are you running too or do oh, as no, an no, admin no, no, no. you just watch imperiously? No, I run the show. That's why someone's yeah. got to okay yeah ken and i are running it together but i also so, have children and nobody's gonna be watching them so i gotta figure out what that's gonna be i don't know what to do with them mm, um i was hoping cute. my parents would be able to help out but i don't think they're gonna be able to come that weekend so anyway I, I, somebody may be able to watch them but we'll be we'll be up at 5 a.m probably marking the course and you know whatever getting i, I probably will do packet pickup because that's get super crazy the morning of um mm-hmm. and then just helping when sponsors show up, they need to know where to go. And um, then, you know, somebody actually right. launch the race, answer questions, 
can I have a small instead of a medium t-shirt? I need to swap this out. <laughs> like all the things. Have. Um, um, okay. So if y'all uh, sign up for the race, then you will be running with me. Yay. Uh, virtually at least. Not me. But me. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Stephanie the runner. <laughs> for <now>. Running shorts. <laughs> uh, one of the questions that I've been wanting to ask you, and then we'll get into our questions. Have you, did you have a Tamagotchi growing up? Okay, I love how many weeks in a row I've seen this in the show notes that I've just been like waiting for it to become a thing. <laughs> I have uh, discussed, like when I think, okay, so here's the backstory. When I have, I like, I have things throughout the weeks because we go a couple weeks without chalking. And I'm always like, I have to talk to Stephanie about this or I have to ask her about this. And th- but then I always forget about it. So now I've mm-hmm. like intentionally like I start putting it down and like saying, I need to talk to Stephanie about this or I need to ask her about this. You know, the nature, the natural cereal thing was one of them. I'm like, oh, no, 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 no. This I got to talk to Stephanie about this. Um, So I was I was cleaning out something. I still have I don't have the Tamagotchi, but I have a Tamagotchi Game Boy game and I still have Mm. my color Game Boy. And I turned it on the other day and started playing with it. And I was like, wow, (laughs) what a 90s thing. So you did you have one? I'm sure maybe Um, had a Furby. I definitely had a Tamagotchi at the time when people had Tamagotchis. Some people had, um, mine was yellow and orange, uh, yellow with orange trim. Some people had like Digipets, but I was totally oh, yes. Tamagotchi. <laughs> Forgot you know what those. I mean? Some people had yes. Digipets and I was like, ugh. Yes. <laughs> that was, wasn't it like the knockoff Tamagotchi? Yeah, right. something like that. And then, um, Sorry guys, and we then, had Digipets. Yeah, then a couple of years after that, <gasps> wow. I think, was Furbies. And uh, I had, <laughs> and then 10 years later or something in high school, I put a Furby in my locker. I tied a scarf under the hanger in my locker and, and my Furby sat in it. And so every time you open the locker, if you like surprised it enough, it would be like, hi. <laughs> That's really funny. <laughs> Which is wow. fun. Uh, yeah, like total weird deja vu moment when you said Digipets. I just had to Google it. <laughs> wow. I, I, I feel like the plastic was see-through. Am I getting that correct? Yes, it was. Oh, yeah, man. But not on yeah. Tamagotchis. It was like, mm, here we go. Digipets. I don't, you I don't can want Digipets. Yeah, I, I had a Tamagotchi. It was oh. hot pink, of course, with, with green, three green buttons. Um, oh, wow. hot pink. Wow. Your color forever. I know I was really into it. My, I mean, my my room was pink when I was like six. I wanted it painted pink. And my sister's favorite color was purple. So anytime we did anything, hers was purple. Mine was pink. Um, funny, um, funny life fact. That is, uh, yeah. So uh, DigiPets, some of them are opaque. So forgive yeah. me for calling them all transparent. But man, I remember what that little dog looked like. That's, me too. That's, uh, yeah. Oof. All right. <laughs> that's funny. It's just things that were like such a big part of your life that you don't actually remember until somebody says mentions it. 
Yeah. Last from the past. All right. Let's get to questions. Stop talking about DigiPets. This is from Leah. She said, question number one is from Leah. How to meal prep when you barely have enough time to get the essentials done and dealing with chronic fatigue? I have to budget a lot of time for rest. And when I'm at home, it seems like it's overwhelming to start making a meal from scratch. I delegate what I can to my husband, but he works a manual job full time and is tired too. So I really enjoy how many, I I like talking about meal prep because there are lots of, there are lots of options to explore here. Um, And it's, it's a really important question because we, we, we need to eat, right? So uh, the delegating, I think is, is really great. Some people, one popular thing that people do is batch cook. Right. So you maybe some people like to chop all of their vegetables at once, say, if you're dealing with chronic fatigue, but you have a day with a burst of energy or, you know, that you like swing every and a particular rhythm and you can, you know, chop all your veggies or do some preparatory things like making a marinade or what have you uh, in those times in which you're uh, feeling a little bit uh, more awake and then or energized. And then in in the other times, you know, then it'll, it'll be in your fridge or your freezer waiting for you, you know, making foods that you can freeze is another um, great option. If you have to go long periods of time without cooking, Uh, I tend to, uh, as much as I can enjoy an evening or a time of cooking, especially if I'm doing it with somebody, I tend to allocate it as as little time as possible. And so (laughs) I like I buy things that I don't necessarily have to chop, like uh, a small Brussels sprout as opposed to a large one. (laughs) That's funny, but like um, or uh, something that comes pre-cut if you want to right? maybe not all of the time, but at times in which you're feeling tired. Uh, And then uh, I tend to overuse microwaves. And again, don't necessarily recommend this for the quality of your cooking, your culinary experience, <laughs> but it, it you can do that. Um, if you have things that don't require a lot of prep, you can just throw them all in a bowl and hit go. And uh, you can buy uh, sauces or marinades from uh, great whole natural foods, cooking, whatever kind of food sensitivities you might have. I like Primal Kitchen. There's a a whole bunch of options. Um, And slap a, you know, if you make a a meat and some vegetables and you can throw a sauce on it and you had to do nothing, almost nothing, except put a bunch of things in a bowl and throw it in the microwave. A a, a A slight step up from that is to have a slow cooker and to just throw all of it in in the morning and hit go. And then in the evening, it's it's there. Um, there's other options to get you through the day uh, in terms of consuming, you know, uh, bars, all about that, you know, um, bars as as snacks to to get you through the day. Fresh fruit. You can eat raw vegetables with uh, hummus or guacamole or a wide variety of dips that you make yourself or that you purchase. Um, you can uh, very quickly take some vegetables, maybe they're pre-cut, maybe you cut them yourself, throw them in a pan uh, or uh, on the stove or throw them in the oven and then dip them. Uh, yeah. So those are, those are some, some things I do, some ways that I like eat healthfully, but expediently at the same time. Okay. 
Yeah, I think this can be tough because not eating enough, not eating enough nutrient-dense foods is only going to make you more tired and fatigued inhibit your healing and inhibit your healing. Um, so you've really got to prioritize this over other things like cleaning or whatever, especially, especially when you're dealing with a chronic condition or a chronic illness, chronic fatigue, you know, chronic pain or whatever. Sleep and rest is number one. Food, eating nutrient-dense food, eating enough food is number two. So you can do small tasks and then your husband can do the other small tasks when he gets home, like actually putting something something in the oven or cleaning up. That's kind of how my husband and I had to work through a lot of things, um, especially during that phase where I really couldn't stand at all. Um, so I kind of went through the stage of really not being able to stand more than five or ten minutes. I could get up and change a diaper, but I'd have to lay back down. Um, while I was pregnant and then probably for, I guess, six months postpartum with Maverick because I was just in such pain. And so my husband did have to take a lot of, you know, the brunt with that. Um, but it was for a time. It was for a period and he knew that and we had to, we had no other choice. So, um, I think there's a learning curve and, and luckily we were able to kind of get past that learning curve before all this happened because we were kind of used to creating quick and easy meals when we had Stella. Um, but you've got to, you kind of got to do it once, do it a few times, and then it becomes much faster and a no brainer and you don't have to look or think or do. Um, so like I would literally, when I was kind of in the, hardship phase. I would literally just put oil in a pan and put the ground beef in. My husband would be in charge of like deciding what was going to be made, lay it out because that was just like too much brain power. And so then I would just start it. So I would like put the pan on the (laughs) stove, put oil in the pan, put the ground beef in the pan and I would have a chair or lay down and I would kind of like intervals on intervals kind of cook it and make sure that that was browned. So that's something very simple. Siete also has spice mixture mixture packets as does other brands. So I ordered a big box of Siete taco seasoning and I'll put two pounds of ground beef in a pan, break it up, add the seasoning, mix it in, boom, you're good. You can add that to like a Siete tortilla, tortilla or um, their taco shells and you have a meal pretty easy. Everybody loves it. You can also, you know, just get pre-made guacamole from Trader Joe's. This is where Trader Joe's really shines is they have so much pre-made stuff, things that a lot of freezer stuff. So a ton of like freezer broccoli um, and freezer, like just steamed vegetables that you literally, all you have to do is put oil in a pan, put that on, put it in the pan, put a little water in it so it steams better and put the lid on top and you can walk away and come back in like nine or 10 minutes, take the lid off, let it get a little caramelized and it's done. That's your side. Um, so spice mixtures, frozen vegetables is really good. Um, other really easy dishes are slow cooker meals. So just put a whole chicken in a crock pot with so- like a pre-made, again, a sea salt based spice mixture and then cover, cook on low for six to eight. You'll have that whole cooking, whole cooking, whole chicken cooked and you can just pull the meat off. You can put it on top of salads if you just want to assemble some salads quickly. Your husband can, can usually my husband would come home and do the deboning and the cleaning up from that. Um, and then sheet pans. So one of the things that you can do is, um, oh, and by the way, I have a recipe coming out, which I'm going to mention again, for um, slow cooker carnitas and or instant pot carnitas. You can do both. Um, but basically what it is is like two pounds of, actually, 
I think the recipe I have now is three to four pounds of pork shoulder. You literally do nothing to it other than put it in the slow cooker, rub it down with spices, which Siete actually does make a carnitas spice mixture as well. Again, prepackaged, all great. Open up the spice mixture, pour it on, rub it onto your pork, cover, cook for six to eight hours. Then you're going to have to shred that. So that may take some standing and movement. What I typically do is I throw it in the, um, I have a stand mixture, mixer, and I uh, mix it up. I like use the paddle attachment and it shreds it. And then you can just use that. Then it's done. You can throw it on a pan and broil it if you want um, to make it crispy. But you will have four pounds of meat that you can use for lunches or dinners or leftovers or whatever. Um, so th- I'm, I'm about to launch that recipe here in a few weeks. Um, actually, it might be out by the time this, this airs. But one of the other things that I love to do is sheet pan. So you can chop, you can do your chopping throughout the day. So in the morning, take like five minutes to cut up the onion and put it in an airtight container in the fridge. And then in the middle of the part of the day, give your, when you're, you know, you can stand, chop up your pepper, put it in the container, put it in the fridge. And then at dinner time, just put all that on a pan, cover a pan in parchment paper, put that on a pan, add some broccoli florets. You can, you can get broccoli florets already bagged and then nestle in chicken thighs. So again, just open the package, nestle in the chicken thighs, and then you can salt and pepper and garlic and like thyme, just like, you know, sprinkle it on and do a ton of avocado oil and then put that in the oven for 30 minutes at, 350, I think. Um, either some, somewhere between 350 and 400. I believe it's going to be 350. Um, I also cook up big pots of rice. So I will use our big pot. I'll do a whole bag of Lotus Foods, Jade Pearl or pink rice. You can use just, again, that's something you can just cover in water, put it on the stove, set a timer for like nine or 10 minutes and come back and check it. Um, well, you want to bring it to a boil, then reduce, then come back and check it. But these are things that you can quickly do that are that set on their own, that cook on their own. And then you just add a little coconut oil and salt to it. And you have a big pot of rice. And you can, you can again, store some of it in the freezer, store some of it in the fridge. And then you can keep coming back to it or use it, you know, throughout the week um, to go with dinner. And then have snacks on hand, which we're going to talk about here in a second. And well known that I live the bar life. Grass-fed cheese is a good one. Baby carrots with some peanut butter or almond butter. Dried unsweetened fruits. Again, this is where Trader Joe's shines. So you can get dried or freeze-dried fruit. Um, bananas, apples, oranges, kiwis. I live off of just fruit now that I can easily peel and eat. Um, and then boil things in bulk like eggs on Sunday. So, you know, do a whole 12 dozen, e- 12 dozen, 12 eggs, one dozen, and then use them throughout the week. Okay, uh, this is kind of a follow-up question from Rini. She says, just a fun topic, hopefully. What are your go-to quick already have everything in the pantry or freezer lunch recipes? Uh, If I worked a nine-to-five or if I was on a schedule with other people in my house, I would probably do lunch as leftovers from the night before. I would probably try my best to cook something for dinner that I would have enough for for lunch the next day if Mm -hmm. I was busy. Like that is almost surely the strategy that I would do. Cooking meat in bulk, I think, is the easiest thing to do because then you can use items from your 
pantry to bring together a meal. So as I mentioned, the carnitas, the the pork carnitas that I have the recipe for, basically we cooked that two days ago. And now I have um, some of that in the fridge, some of that in the freezer. And I will, um, like after we're done here, I'll go take a siete tortilla and then I will put the carnita, the pork on top. I'll put some diced avocado on top and maybe like a handful of spinach or shredded lettuce, wrap that up. I love a good wrap for lunch. That's kind of my thing is like assembling something and making it into a wrap and or just having leftover meat. So I'll try to always be intentional about doubling a recipe or uh, we usually cook, again, rice in bulk and sausages in bulk. So I'll go to the, I'll like Applegate Farms has these organic sausages, as does Trader Joe's. I will bake that in bulk in the oven at night when I'm just making a stir fry. Again, it's just opening the package, putting it in a glass dish and putting it in the oven. I'll bake them so that they get nice and cri- like a nice glaze, like color, a little color on the outside. And then, because they're way better that way. And then I will cook up a big thing of rice and then I will, you know, make my dinner. And so tonight we have a little bit of leftover, or today we have a little bit of leftovers from lunch. We have the carnitas and then we also have the sausages and the rice. So I typically kind of like always put together something. I don't do well if I'm just snacking during lunch. I don't do well if I'm just having something from the pantry or I'm having fruit or I'm having a bar like I have I've found now and I think it might be because I work out in the morning you know since we're up so early and I mean I just have to have substantial substantial stuff for lunch and and I I do need to have a good whack of protein post-workout so um that's typically what my food is or, or lunches are surrounding is taking a meat something that I've already made then using pantry staples so for example if we grill we'll try to grill some extra chicken and then you can use primal kitchen mayo which is so good and it makes everything so much better um, you can put that on top you can do pre-made um, guacamole from Trader Joe's which we keep those in the freezer lay one out use it throughout the week for lunches when you're assembling things um let me see. The Applegate organic sausages is really the what we're into right now because it's just quick and easy, and we, you know, we're it's it's what can we get done, um, and efficiently. <laughs> um, and then of course we also have the things on hand that I think maybe are more what you're thinking of, which is an Epic Bar, uh, dried mango or pineapple from Trader Joe's, um, and then I do always have some good Siete chips, Simple Mills crackers, and then with some grass-fed cheese. Um, having a few carrots is really helpful with maybe some nut butter, handful of cashews, um, and then I always, always, we have fresh fruit on hand always, so the kids always have fresh strawberries with some cheese for lunch, so I just try to make sure that I'm incorporating, bringing in things from, you know, different food categories so that I I feel good. Um, I have a recipe for no-baked chocolate coconut protein balls. They are so good. You can make a double batch ahead of time and throw them in the freezer. Eat like one or two of that with your lunch. Um, and then one thing I wanted to mention too about just like buying the things that you can put in the freezer. So both bona fide provisions, which is what I prefer in terms of quality and flavor, bona fide provisions has little prepackaged soups, bone broth soups. We always have those in the freezer now. So especially when somebody gets sick or we're just low on food, we'll pull out one of those soups. Um, Kettle and Fire has soups that are shelf stable. So you can just put those in the pantry. They're easy to open. So you actually just fold it back, kind of like push it open. It's in like a... um, 
almost like a paper kind of carton and you can just tear it open so you can actually take it into work and put it in a, you know, whatever, a soup bowl and heat that up. And then you can pair it with siete chips or whatever. And then Primal Kitchen has these new freezer bowls. Have you seen these, Stephanie, or tried them? I'm, I don't know if they would no. be in the UK. So I always have a few of those in the freezer. Um, they, the chicken pesto one is really good. Again, it's in the freezer. You take it out. It's in paper, parchment paper. You heat it up in the microwave, stir it, heat it again, done. Um, and it's a really good nourishing meal. If you could, if you guys can find those, I would grab them anytime, especially that they're on sale. Whole Foods now does really good sales. Um, especially in Primal Kitchen. And then my berries and cream bowls. So frozen berries, pour coconut milk on top, and then put put some homemade magic shell on that. I'll link to my homemade magic shell in the show notes. Noelle, do you have a homemade magic shell that you like eat all the time and talk about all the time? <laughs> it's cute. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, I sorry, it's a fantastic recipe. And the reason that we talk about it all the time is because it's so fantastic. So um, <laughs> plug, plug. Yeah. Tell them it like it is. Yeah. I just had to revamp it recently because I realized I had just published it as like, here's the recipe. And I didn't actually like, you know, give tips and tricks and write stuff and like do things that Google likes. So I had to redo that recently. Anyway. So we talk a lot about hydration here, specifically how electrolytes are an important aspect of hydration that so many people overlook. Water absorption in your body is dependent upon the absorption of key electrolytes. The problem is you lose electrolytes through sweat and when you go to the bathroom and they have to be replaced through diet and supplementation and that need increases significantly if you're exercising regularly and sweating or if you're following a whole foods diet since it's naturally low in sodium. When training, especially fasted in the morning, electrolytes are critical for performance. Many athletes feel dehydrated and drink more water. However, this can dilute blood sodium levels even further. This shows up as muscle cramps, headaches, fatigue, sleep disturbances, and electrolytes play a key role in hormone regulation too. Low sodium levels actually spike adrenal hormones like cortisol. Element makes grab-and-go electrolyte replacement supplementation. You just take an Element recharge packet mixed up with water and sip. There is absolutely no sugar, gluten fillers, artificial ingredients, and it's paleo-friendly. I've been using an entire packet after any sort of exercise where I sweat and it has made such a difference. I no longer feel so thirsty and empty throughout the day despite drinking tons of water and eating sufficiently. Elements co-founder is actually Rob Wolf, who we interviewed on episode number 311, so you know the ingredients are solid and that it's been well-researched and developed. To grab a free sample pack of Element, go to Drink LMNT. That's drinklmnt.com forward slash well-fed. All you have to do is pay for shipping and you'll get like, I think it's eight packets to test out. So you really have nothing to lose with that. Drinklmnt.com forward slash well-fed. Click on get yours when the website pops up and then claim your free packets. Question number two is from Dixie. If you're following cycle syncing, but your body is off, so you're exhausted during ovulation rather than with energy to burn as expected, how do you work around that? Um, may I ask a quick question? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so uh, following cycle syncing, is that is that 
does that just mean paying attention to your cycle or does that mean actually doing specific things? It means doing specific things. So adapting both your food and your fitness to your menstrual cycle. Okay. Yeah, sure. Th- that makes sense. I just, uh, yeah, yeah. wasn't sure. I think that that is uh, super cool. And uh, yeah, I think that that's super cool. And in terms of what might be going on for you in terms of a, a specific period, uh, especially ovulation, I don't know. I think it's really great that you're paying attention to it. I, the practices uh, and Noel, I think, um, you've been, you've been dialing on, dialing in on cycle syncing for a while, like for the last year. How long is this? This has Mm -hmm. been kind of an important thing for you. Yeah. Yeah. Can, um, can I just, can I ask, like, um, (laughs) do you, do you, you, I'm just, I'm just so curious. Do you do it personally? Like, um, have you noticed? Yeah, I do. Uh, so here's the thing. I, I think that it can be super beneficial. And I think that it's why I do like it so much is that it is a way for people to become more aware of their cycle and to become mm-hmm. more in tune with their hormone fluctuations and their nat- natural energy fluctuations. So I think we can take all these things that we know about physiological changes that happen with our cycle and we can honor the fact that it is cyclical, that things do come and flow and that, yeah, we're going to be more hungry in our second half of our cycle because our metabolism increases and we burn more but also we're going to be a little tired a little more tired because of the natural fluctuations of energy and you know we can recognize the effects of estrogen and what that does during ovulation and how that's better for high intensity workouts and blah 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 but we also can recognize okay we really should probably up our leafy greens and cruciferous vegetables then because our body's going to need extra support um excreting estrogen so while i I, I definitely do it more casually. Um, I wouldn't say that I don't eat cruciferous vegetables when I'm on my period because I'm on my period. I eat cruciferous vegetables all the time. I eat leafy greens all the time. Um, but I definitely where, why I got into this and was became more passionate about it was because of the cycle syncing your workouts. So there's times when you're more insulin sensitive. There's times when you're mm-hmm. less insulin sensitive. There's times when you have more energy. And so it's better to do high and higher intensity workouts technically around ovulation, but that doesn't mean that you are have to own, you can only do it in that small window. Mm-hmm. Um, which is part of the answer for this. But yeah, I, um, I think it's an amazing tool. And I think a lot of people have find have found benefit from it for sure. Especially like tracking your periods and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah, cool. So I personally also have I have noticed uh differences in my carbohydrate metabolism, I think, in the div- two major uh phases of my cycle in terms of being a little bit more um insulin sensitive or in the first half. Um and less so in in the second, and I do I do kind of keep that in mind. It's not a huge thing uh, for me because I'm not trying to dial in super specifically, but I do keep it uh, in mind, and mm-hmm. um, it's nice for helping monitor my energy and and my workouts in that way. So, uh, but I've also in terms of cycle syncing, you know, in terms of looking at things like leafy green consumption, I'm like, okay, I'm going to do that all the time. Mm-hmm. Yes, that's right. <laughs> uh, yeah. So that's, uh, yeah, that's all really cool. In terms of uh, what you're looking for in terms of uh, energy throughout the cycle and specifically during um, ovulation, 
I would just, I would just say like, maybe it's, maybe it's okay. I don't know if there's like a lot of uh, specific tweaks regarding what to do around um, ovulation, right? Sort of the expectation that you're going to have extra energy, like maybe not. Like there's so many things going on in our lives that can impact how energetic we're feeling at any given point in time and it of course is is very possible that something is happening you for you hormonally that makes you feel more lethargic while you ovulate but also uh, it could be the case that you're just you're not experiencing this abundance of energy right like a lack of energy and uh, that could just be because even if your hormone levels are on point and your nutrition is on point and your exercise is on point, um, your body just isn't going to like maybe not have the cortisol sensitivity or that sort of thing, the resources to feel like you have an abundance of energy during ovulation. Like I just, I don't want everybody to expect that that's necessarily something that you might experience. Uh, although, it very well maybe right and regularly finding yourself being fatigued at a certain point in time is worth paying attention to yeah i think that it's all something it's it, these are just guidelines and cycle syncing is supposed to help balance your hormones so i i would keep the recommendations so in terms of the food recommendations and adjusting your food according to your menstrual cycle i think that that's important to keep what i'm wondering is that there is some sort of I'm wondering if there's some sort of like estrogen dominance happening. Um, there's definitely some sort of imbalance. And I, I think mm-hmm. it might be because of low progesterone or estrogen dominance. And so that's why when estrogen is highest during ovulation, you're starting to feel this fatigue because that's a very common symptom of estrogen dominance. Another thing to keep in mind that I just learned recently is that estrogen actually, actually makes us uh, produce more histamine. And so that's why we typically have more migraines or headaches when estrogen is at its highest during mm-hmm. our cycle. Or that's also why we, we you know, a common symptom of estrogen dominance is headaches. Um, so that could be kind of messing with your symptom as or your system as well. Um, so just keep that in mind. So maybe start kind of doing some general hormone balancing things that would reduce estrogen overall. Um and make sure that you watch what is in, especially when we're talking about heavy metals and stuff like that. <laughs> make sure you're careful about what you're putting in and on your body in terms of xenoestrogens and all that kind of stuff, PEGs. Um, and then keep those food recommendations. So warming foods, foods rich in vitamin C, omega-3 fatty acids and all that in your menstrual phase, follicular phase is all about what I mentioned, cruciferous vegetables, because that helps to excrete um, estrogen from the body, cruciferous vegetables, so broccoli, cauliflower, all that actually has naturally has some good dim in it, DIM. Um, and then leafy greens, things high in B vitamins, all the way through your follicular and ovulation phase. That would that's what you should really be focusing on. And then in your luteal phase, vitamin C, which um, really supports progesterone production. Eat lots of vitamin C in your luteal phase. Um, starchy carbs help to boost serotonin. Um, zinc, B vitamins, magnesium is the other one. Really important for that um, luteal phase. But again, you can take magnesium throughout your entire cycle, but you can adjust kind of what you're, what you're taking, how much um, based on your symptoms. When it comes to the workouts, go with the flow. I mean, if you don't have energy to do something, don't do it. 
So once that fatigue kind of settles, I find that I actually feel pretty good even the week after my uh, week after I ovulate. So I would just really honor your body and figure out what you're feeling um, in the week before your period and, and during your period. You don't have to just totally not do any high intensity workouts at other points in your period. And I mean, honestly, uh, your cycle, sorry. And honestly, I, I kind of just go with my own flow and go with how I'm feeling because sometimes I don't sleep. Like Steph said, I mean, other things have affect and impact your energy levels and what you can handle. So sometimes when I'm not sleeping or whatever, like stress happens, I don't work out. Or maybe I did a pretty heavy, you know, again, this is great for the luteal phase. I did a really heavy um, leg workout recently, uh, strength workout. I'm starting to get back into strength workouts. And with that always comes like you push a little bit and then you're like, oh, I'm too sore. So I took like four days off and I didn't do anything because I, even though I was like primed and ovulating because I was sore. It's like really sore to the point where it wasn't a good sore and I didn't need to be doing any more high intensity training. So um, you got to you just got to adjust according to what you're feeling and while you work on other things. So it's not it's not the end all be all. Um, Okay, last. Well, we have two questions. The last one will take just a second. But this is from Amber. She says, why do my armpits still smell so rancid at the end of the day? I've tried so many different kinds of deodorant. I've tried the charcoal soap. I've tried detoxing my pits with a scrub and mask. I haven't done that in a bit. I'm currently using the Beauty Counter deodorant, and I absolutely love the way it smells. And I surprisingly haven't had any issues with the coconut in oil ingredient in it. But I seem to find that by the end of the day, the pits on my clothes still smell gross. Interestingly, when I take my shirt off, my armpits don't tend to smell as bad as the shirt, but sometimes they do. What is my problem? Help. Yo, I am so about this question. Um, <laughs> so something that I have found continually interesting uh just noticed and then finally learned about at some point um, was the fact that I could sweat a ton on the dance floor, like buckets, you know, I I could sweat so much and smell like a delicate flower. But if I am feeling a little bit nervous about Mm. something, I like will be super stinky. Um. And I just like I noticed that for for ages. And uh, as it turns out, just that observation was simply uh, accurate, which is that your body has, you know, two different kinds of two different modes of sweat production. One is very cooling and one happens in times of stress. <laughs> um, and the the cooling sweat tends to be uh, to not produce odor uh, for reasons in a second. And uh, the one that's associated with stress does um, is and uh, and this is largely because of uh, the way in which this uh, I think it's because it's slightly fattier. This kind of uh, sweat composition interacts with bacteria on your skin, who just like eat it up. Um, and I've tried using antibacterial soaps, and that like doesn't that doesn't really do anything. Um, I think Noel ta- will will talk about uh, make recommendations regarding probiotics. I'm hopeful because she's so on point with that sort of thing. Um, but so, so this is the thing. Um, and I have also noticed, and it also uh, bears out, I believe, um, is the fact that like sweat gets trapped. Um, it gets trapped. Uh, this happens a lot more often near hair follicles. And so I'm, I'm very consistent about 
shaving for this reason um, in in my armpits. And then uh, also we'll get trapped in clothing. And so if I have like one moment in which I'm moving quickly or feeling kind of stressed early in the day and that sweat gets trapped on my shirt, it's like there. And it's like, it's going to be there. <laughs> and I can get to the end of the day and, and, and everything will have unfolded without stress or without me sweating. Uh, but once that uh, odor gets onto your clothes, it's like there. <laughs> and so um, definitely like wearing sleeves and uh, yeah, if you're sweating just a little bit and especially in this mode that is not just purely venting, cooling you, uh, then yeah, then that's going to be a thing. I've always wondered, this is just like vaguely hypothetical, uh, the effect that drinking coffee might have on sweat, uh, dip, because, uh, just curious, you know, if any, or like anything that elevates cortisol levels hmm. or, uh, adrenaline levels, right? Like, um, I don't know. That's just a vague thought that has no productive, uh, yeah. <laughs> no productive ends. But, uh, yeah, so that has been my experience. I don't know much about deodorants. That's, uh, Noelle knows so much. Um, but I know way more than, than the normal person, than anybody should ever so know. Much. I don't know. Yeah. Just go. <laughs> like, basically all I'm saying is <laughs> I understand where you're coming from and yes, we do. do what I can. If I know I'm going to have a stressful conversation, I can like wear a tank top. <laughs> No, and I wasn't saying that I'm any smarter. I just, no, I feel like I've just know so much. researched deodorants way, way more than I ever wanted to in the, in the recent <laughs> months. Um, I'm actually fascinated by this sweat thing. And as somebody who has a healthy sweat rate and somebody who was just horrified by my sweat in my pits when I was in um, junior high, I hated it. So I was always like, wear a shirt, but wear the jacket over top so nobody could see it. Uh, that was basically me, mm-hmm. um, which actually is fairly normal for most people when you're wearing like a super tight dress shirt because we had dress codes. But it just it's not it's not cute. Um, so anyway, what? So. The interesting thing here is that sweat does not smell. So the actual sweat coming out of your body does not have a smell. What you are smelling is the interaction between the bacteria that is on your skin and then the, the secretion of your apocrine gland, which is the what Stephanie was just talking about is actually associated with your hair follicles. So you have two types of sweat glands. I think it's called the eccrine glands. Um it, That's I, my guess, too. I've okay. only ever read these words. I've yeah. never heard them. So. Yeah. The eccrine glands, so they produce sweat that is cooling. They are distributed all over the body. If you look at a diagram of these glands, you basically will see little tubes, and the tube kind of comes to the surface of the skin, and it, you know, lets out water and sweat, and that helps keep you cool. And then you have apocrine glands, which you will if you like again if you look at a diagram you'll see that there's this little tube but it connects to your hair follicle and so it produces sweat and that mixes with like um the fatty substance that's around your hair follicle and um so it has like a a fattier like it's basically fatty sweat (laughs) not a sexy thing but there you go um And so that connection to the hair follicle really means that it's very limited to places where you get, you know, you grow 
this thick, coarse hair, like your, your armpits and your scalp. So the apocrine glands work primarily under stress. So they, they secrete this odorless fluid, but then that fluid begins to develop an odor when it comes into contact with the bacteria on your skin. And then these glands don't start, like I said, I mentioned before, junior high is kind of when we all, um, discover this. Uh, they don't start working until puberty. Um, and then as Stephanie said, stress and anxiety makes your sweat stinkier. So if you're stressed, your apocrine glands like secrete more. They're harder at work. So it actually doesn't change. And maybe that was a little bit confusing. It doesn't change the scent of the, uh, the, the sweat coming out of your skin. When you are stressed and anxious, the apocrine glands, glands are the ones that work and produce more. So I hypothesize that this has more to do with the bacteria on your skin and the microbiome of your skin than anything. So I would try a topical probiotic. You have to let me know how this goes. I would try a topical probiotic. Pro- probiotic. Probiotic. I use the one from Mary Ruth's. It's an organic skin probi- topical probiotic. I actually spray it on my scalp. I got it like a year ago. I spray it on my scalp because... Um, I sometimes get like flakiness, especially like when I'm working out. Um, so I'll link to it. It's on Amazon that it's not, you can just, you know, whatever, Google it and you'll see it. So I would try spraying a topical probiotic, maybe like after you get out of the shower or even just morning and night and see, and then put on, let it dry and then put on your deodorant and see if that helps anything. The other thing And really where the real problem is, and you've mentioned it, and I'm so glad you did, because this is like my thing, is like tech fabrics. Um, (laughs) Much of the stink is because of the fabric. So bacteria actually grows and stinks up your shirt um, where you, you know, what you you sweat onto your shirt with this fatty substance, this fatty sweat. And then the bacteria actually starts to eat that on your shirt. And that's why your your shirt smells (laughs) so amazing. So here's the thing. Polyester, this is well known. Polyester and synthetic fabrics actually stink more. They don't know why. People don't know why. But the uh, conclusion and from testing is they found that certain bacterias like that fabric more. We all wear polyester when we're working out. If you have a dry tech shirt, it's because of the synthetic materials and the polyesters. So typically, you know, you'll wear a poly cotton blend. Because if you just wear a cotton shirt, that shirt is going to get wet and stick to you and be gross. If you're wearing a poly cotton blend, it's going to be soft and allow that sweat to wick away. I'm sure a lot of you have have done races or whatever, gotten these cheap synthetic polyester, 100% polyester shirts, which are almost like slick on the skin. And Mm -hmm. it wicks the sweat away really, really well and kind of it doesn't stick to you. Um, that's full, full on polyester. That's going to be the stankiest of the stankiest. So the certain bacteria like the polyester, the synthetic fabrics more, and they'll actually grow and proliferate more on the polyester fabrics in comparison to cotton. So I think when the, when you're experiencing such variance, it probably has to do with the type of fabric and whether you were stressed or anxious that day or not. That's my theory. Um, 
Oh, and when I was working in the running industry, we had this set and it's so expensive. So not a lot of people bought it, but we had, uh, we always had merino wool shirts and pants and stuff in our store because it didn't mm-hmm. stink. So merino wool does not, bacteria doesn't grow on that. And it, um, like I'm sure a lot of you have heard like merino wool is naturally, you know, A, B, and C. It doesn't allow for that bacteria growth. And so it doesn't stink. So you can sweat in those shirts and they, they never have any, any problems. So we sold that. I mean, it's really expensive. It's like, you know, 50 or 60 bucks for a single shirt. Um, but you could sweat in those and it wouldn't stink. So I wear tank tops. That's all I, that's all. I mean, I wear, I wear tank tops. I, I wear the, you know, I use the, uh, like a charcoal detoxifying, something that helps to rid the fat, um, off of my skin a little better, that fatty sweat off of my skin a little better. I definitely mm. use the charcoal bar in, in the shower. We have one in the shower and I'll just use that under my armpits. You can definitely try the charcoal mask. And just as like a heads up, there is a detoxification period with natural deodorants. That's a very real thing. It only will typically last two to three weeks. A detoxification period, don't get it twisted, is not rashes. If you're getting rashes and redness and nastiness, you need to stop what you're doing immediately. But a detoxification period is typically when you're using antiperspirants, you have a buildup of a lot of crap in your skin. And so you're just sweating a lot of that out and a lot, you can speed up that process with like a charcoal bar and like charcoal mask on your pits. Um, and then you'll notice that your sweat starts to smell a little bit better. Um, but I like I, when you have stressful conversations or you're speaking in front of people, just wear a tank top. <laughs> That's basically it. Um, okay. And then this last question I will uh, breeze through, which is from Alyssa. She says, love the podcast lately on and how the content encourages women to eat enough. I've been consistently doing weightlifting three times a week in the gym and loving it. I occasionally work with a trainer to make sure I don't injure myself. Overall, my goal is to be strong and I've removed most of the aesthetic goals away from my motivation to go to the gym for the sake of my mental health. I'm not scared of muscle, but I must say that I'm not a fan of my traps getting any more muscular looking despite not trying to overfixate on my appearance. Are there ways to continue strength goals like push-ups and pull-ups without having defined traps? I've heard that unproportional unproportional traps have to do with weak shoulders. I've also heard that there might be an adrenal low-carb issue where women start to gain more muscle around their traps, but this doesn't make sense to me. Thanks. So I'll just touch on the the quickly the the physiology and then we can just if you have any other thoughts, Stephanie. <laughs> no, well, I was like, I'm going to go ahead and start talking so <laughs> Stephanie doesn't have to explain why she knows nothing about trapezoids. Okay. Okay. Tra- so trapezoids. So- <laughs> <laughs> I okay. love your laugh. Okay. How? Okay. All right. Here's just a few things. I just want to first off say. The adrenal low carb thing is a total myth. There's nothing that would make you all of a sudden have like one specific muscle grow more than the rest because of like a nutrient deficiency or a nutrient issue or a cortisol issue. It's just not a thing. Um, how much and how quickly you gain muscle? A large portion of this is genetics and we can't really do much about it. And so that's where, you know, the body acceptance and all that comes into play and just appreciating the things that make you unique. I do think that, I mean, really to not build this muscle would be to reduce the things that engage that muscle. So uh, less rows, you mentioned the pull-ups and the push-ups, 
Yeah. Um, and shrugs. So if you're doing cleans, like cleans are really trap building. If you aren't, and I'll just say this, if you aren't engaging your shoulders properly, so actually engaging your shoulders specifically with the row, it's not super intuitive. I would actually request that your personal trainer watch you do this and talk you through this. Um, with the row, I always cue that the shoulder blade coming, the shoulder blade should come down and around the back of your shoulder. And then at the top of the movement, your shoulder blade should kind of like come back and move inward. If you, if you're sitting like wherever you're sitting at right now, just try to like pinch your shoulder blades together and you can kind of feel that engaging. That's what you should kind of feel at the top. And then the second thing, which I see all the time, Always think about keeping your shoulders down and relaxed when you're doing things. So a lot of times when we're doing overhead presses, for example, the shoulder will creep up to the ear. So pretend like you're like holding something in your hand right now and bring it up to your shoulder and then now press it overhead, like lift, like press, pretend like you're holding something in your palm, the palm of your hand, like maybe a dumbbell (laughs) and then press that up overhead. So like, where's your shoulder right now? It's probably a little close to your ear. Like your shoulder naturally hikes up if you're not thinking about it. So now try to like in your, with your hands in that extended position over your head. Now think about bringing your shoulder down, like actually putting your shoulder down, but keeping your arm up. That is where you should be in an overhead position. So that would be overhead presses, even in pull-ups, we can like hike our shoulders. If you're hanging from a bar, you need to think about bringing your shoulders back and down. That's your start position, then pull up. Not, oh, my shoulders are near my ears and that's my start position. So always think about putting your shoulders down when you're doing any overhead-ish things. Other than that, um, this is largely genetics. And, you know, if you're going to be doing these gains and you want these gains and things in the gym, um, you probably are going to have a little bit more defined. Sounds like that's just how, you know, how your body adjusts and, and you're going to have a little bit more lean muscle mass and that's going to be shown more, um, which is cool. I love that. I think that's great. And, um, you know, don't be ashamed of that. And, um, I mean, it's, it's easy to just say embrace it. Um, but, I, I know it's kind of hard if you're not if you're not a huge fan of it, but you can also, you know, you can at any point you can stop doing what you're doing or you can continue on and pursue the strength goals and see that strength be shown also in, in your body and in, in like the definition of your muscles. So any thoughts on that, Steffi? Uh, yes, I definitely I'm completely supportive of how you want to be training. I think if you happen to have larger traps now or, or in the future, like, uh, you know, <laughs> uh, they're lovely and not having them is also lovely. Right. Those, those, I, I feel either way is fine. Yes. Very lovely. Either way. Um, yeah. I want to be clear that when I was laughing, like hyena, like a hyena, <laughs> Uh, at the beginning of this question, it's because I said trapezoid. <laughs> Y'all know that's like a, it's like a something, it's like a shape. Right? You, and that's <laughs> it, not what these muscles are actually, uh, trapezius muscles. Now they look kind of like a trapezoid. So to be fair, but I just, it's so 
funny. Um, yeah, that's I. I, I love that. Thank you that, so much for that. You said that's like that's like a shape. It's like a shape that you like draw with. I remember drawing a lot of trapezoids yeah, in high math, school. folks. Geometry, and, and friends. <laughs> geometry yeah. class. Um, yes. So uh, that that is that is the end of my uh, contribution to this question. <laughs> I do want to look back to the prior one. I did a quick little search, and it turns out that uh, caffeine is. People will often say, if you sweat a lot, here's a list of foods to maybe you know, down, whatever, and caffeine's on it. Uh, and it does, uh, can uh, upregulate the activity of those, uh, you know, fattier, hair follicly sweat glands. So hmm. anyway, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, it, you probably, if certain foods make you sweat, you know it. So <laughs> do you know what I mean? It's like, oh, if I, if I, if I'm getting sweaty, yeah, I, I want to like it. I've noticed, but mm-hmm. yeah, I want to yeah. be clear. There's nothing that could actually be incorporated into your, like, it's not your sweat smelling worse. It's the, the fact that specific yes. sweat glands will be triggered more or produce more sweat. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of bro science out there about like, well, this food uh like stays in your digestive tract longer and it's gonna make your sweat stinkier. And I'm like, no, yeah. no that's or not like, a, it's not a real thing. Right. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. But that yeah, the caffeine is like, hmm. I could definitely see how that might and even like spicy foods for sure, um, can make you like actually can actually make you sweat. Right. So right. But. If foods make you sweat it make you sweat out of those glands, you know. So anyway, anyway, um, just rounding out the information oh, in this podcast. We can talk. I promised you that we would be we would be very we, I don't know, we're gonna be we're gonna do great on this episode. We're gonna keep it concise and we did not. So sorry okay. about it. Sorry. Um but thank you all for being here. I know you you appreciate us whether we talk for an hour an hour and 15 so hopefully that was helpful and, and enjoyable uh, for more from me you can go to coconutsandkettleballs.com for more from Stephanie at stephanie.ruper thank you guys uh, we love you so much we will talk to you next week <laughs> <laughs>